podcast your source for stateside views on everton football club hosted by alex johnson and james boyman welcome back to the american toffee podcast this is alex here joined by my co-host james as always hola we are really excited to bring you another episode today we are officially one week away from the return of the Premier League. But with that, our blockbuster news for the week, James, is none other than a new kit sponsor, which comes pretty quickly after we talked about having new uh, kit manufacturers in Hummel. So now we have a brand new kit sponsor named Kazoo. And apparently Kazoo is is a uh, is some sort of car brand in the UK, kind of like an online shopping sort of deal. Yeah, so they sell used cars through an online platform. Um, kind of like you've probably those in the US have seen like Carvana, um, other similar commercials, like an internet startup, um, trying to change the playing field as far as the sale of cars. So it's a UK owned brand, very interesting, interesting sponsorship. I think most people will view it as a welcome change from the gambling companies and uh, maybe alcohol companies, although I do miss that Chang logo. The Kazoo logo, really simplistic, pretty elegant. The mock-up kits that I've seen so far look really nice. Uh, it seems like a really positive step in the right direction on top of the Hummel move. Just seeing, I the more info that comes out, the more excited I am to see what that what the kits for next season are going to look like. I am really, really anticipating it. Well, you know, we, we've seen a lot of mock-ups on Twitter, as I'm sure a lot of people have. But James, as you said, it's a simplistic logo, and that's exactly what you were talking about your preference would be if we got if slash when we got a new sponsor uh, to take over from Sport Peso. Right. You don't want sometimes a really elegant or complex logo like Chang can be nice, but it almost then comes to like define the kit more than the badge does because it takes up so much space. So I think the Kazoo logo is very clearly just an ad. And I think it doesn't distract from the other elements that Hummel might implement you know, the chevrons, their iconic uh, little pointed arrows that they like to do on their kits. The badge should, again, really stick out against the simple lettering of the Kazoo logo. So it, the, the foundation has been set and the bar and expectations are extremely high. Knowing that we are Hummel's flagship brand, I'm really looking forward to what they can deliver. And then all is left is, I guess, the bow or the cherry on top is the sleeve sponsor. And of course, we know that Angry Birds seems to be done and dusted or I guess out the window. So we're going to be looking for that third third sponsor. And I don't know, Alex, USM, I guess we'll we'll find out, but I'm hoping for more of the same similar similar lines to Kazoo where it's simple, doesn't really draw too much attention and isn't gonna have people asking like why do you have an Angry Bird shirt on right now? Hey, I agree. I think I think uh USM on the sleeve would be really cool as well. Hopefully it's just anything but Angry Birds as as you've said plenty before. So as we know, we've been kind of wondering, everyone's been in limbo wondering when is the Premier League going to restart with the whole quote unquote project restart. And we have officially our date for the Derby, um, hopefully at Goodison Park next Sunday on the 21st. I think the league itself starts maybe this coming Wednesday. But news came out 
over the last week or so, um, this was a big discussion. And, and you and I, James, had this discussion on the podcast probably a solid month or maybe even more about uh, wage deferrals and wage cuts at clubs and how that affects um, the, the club itself and their financials. And come to find out, uh, the players voluntarily took a 50% wage deferral for three months. And then since the beginning of COVID and the issues, Carlo Ancelotti, the coaching staff, directors, and execs ended up taking reductions and or deferrals. So from from just thinking back to our previous conversation, James, how do you feel about that news? Well, I think it's interesting because we had always, I think the way that we had approached the discussion was from the for the perspective of it being wage cuts strictly. And obviously right. a deferral is not a cut where the, the players are essentially taking 50% of their wages, but eventually they will be reimbursed for that deferral and get paid in full for their salary. So it seems like a maneuver for the club to be able to essentially have more cash on hand and be a little more liquid given the uncertainty of COVID. Um, obviously, so they tested a bunch of players for the entire league basically the other day and found one positive case. And then news coming out, I think last night that Norwich had had one of their their players test positive. So it, it's by no means gone. And I think we're starting to see that in the U.S. as well, as states and regions start to reopen, we're seeing cases rise again. So I still think the future is very uncertain. This seems like a good move by the club to, again, hold more cash on hand, give them a little bit of flexibility, depending on what may happen. Again, we're playing in front of empty stadiums, a lot of lost revenue. So puts the club in a stronger financial position and it doesn't really harm the players all that much. Like is Morgan Schneiderlin going to really struggle on 50 K a week versus a hundred or, you know, whatever he's making um, they can, I, I think it's a pretty easy decision for the players to take a, a you know, a minor short-term hit when they're already incredibly wealthy and it, it helps the club. It's good PR. It's all of those things. So I'm, I'm happy to hear it. And frankly, I'm just really excited to have the league back. It's been a tough few months for us on the show. You know, we've done the player profiles, we've done all sorts of things to try to keep everyone interested, but it does seem surreal to finally be back, especially because the last match that we saw, Alex, we were there in person, we saw Chelsea just obliterate us. And we've had to live with that evil message, that evil memory for now three months. So I don't know if the Derby will change that, but it's going to be nice to have some new memories to make. Yeah, you ain't lying. I'm so so uh, just on the on the player wage deferrals specifically. Uh my understanding is that they were given kind of personal surveys, right? It was optional, hence why um players took it voluntarily. So that's good news. But I got a question for you, James. Uh, to for the players to voluntarily take a wage deferral for 3 months. Uh just the amount of time, 3 months. Do you think 3 months is chosen because that gets us through the transfer window? Um comfortably into the beginning of next season? I'm sure that there's a lot of thought that went into the timeline. I think it's short enough that it's not, that it's very palatable for the players where it's not going to, like I said, dramatically affect their quality of life or anything like that. There's probably no major repercussions from their side of things. And it's enough that in three months, the club can then kind of reassess. I'm sure things will be completely different. You know, three months ago, we were in March and coronavirus wasn't even really a major issue yet. So as we know, a lot can change in a short space of time. I think this is the perfect like in between where if you went six months, you'd say that's a little too long. That's a little ridiculous. There might be pushback. If you went one month or two months, okay, that doesn't necessarily give the club the confidence to be able to make any decisions with this additional cash. Three months is that perfect middle ground in my mind, where it's it's a win for everyone involved. I don't know. Is that 
what's your line of thinking on? No, I mean, I think that's fair. I it, I just kind of connected it to the upcomer, upcoming transfer window, right? And and the fact that we're definitely going to have to make signings, whether we like it or not. The question is going to be how much money is invested and and who might be moved on. But either way, I think across the board, the players and all of the staff, uh, coaches, all the way through execs, I think it was it was a really classy move. It I think that the club is blessed to be able to do that and have have people at the club that are willing to do that for the club. And, you know, when you compare that to the big the big PR issue that Liverpool had at the beginning of the of the pandemic, announcing that they weren't going to pay a good portion of their staff and then redacting it about 24 hours later. Um, you know, you, you just come to think and really appreciate everything that Everton is uh, um, off the pitch even more than maybe uh, you would have before. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it seems like it's been nice to see the the football community at large sort of rally together and stand in solidarity. And you see, I think there's still a lot to come on this front as far as the financial implications for lower league clubs and what responsibility the higher earner Premier League clubs bear to support those lower clubs that don't have the revenue and can't like defer player wages because their players are not making ridiculous salaries and probably need more to make mortgage payments and all these sorts of things. But it, like you said, it, it's nice. I think it's reflective of Everton's character as a club and, and the Liverpool community and the blue community as a whole. And, you know, off the pitch, we know Everton are a sterling top tier organization. So as far as looking out for the community and all those things. So I think it's fantastic. But more than that, I think, you know, we want to talk about What's going on on the pitch? What do we have to look forward to as the players kind of get back into the swing of things? And one of those things that we've already seen rear its ugly head is the devastating injury bug. Yeah. So if if you've been following the Bundesliga at all, because it was really like the first major league to resume action over the last I don't three, four weeks or so, um, yep. you know that injuries are pretty prevalent during this time. And, and we've talked about this before also, but these players have been off um, from formal training for months now, longer than they would have during a summer break, which is their longest break during the year as a professional. So with that, jumping back into training, and then specifically, as we've seen with the Bundesliga, jumping from training into matches coming fast and hard because we have a schedule to stick to, and it, and it, and it does not it's not kind to us in terms of the amount of games that we have, Injuries are starting to come thick and fast as well, not only for teams in the Bundesliga, but now Everton, unfortunately. We've got Yerry Mina and Walcott will both definitely miss the restart of the season next weekend. However, Gomez is, it seems to be somewhat of a, a, a different or, or an interesting story. It was reported that he was injured, and then he came and made comments on Instagram or something and said essentially that he wasn't. But I don't think that he played any part in the in-house friendly the other day. So it seems like he may not make an appearance for the first match either. And then in the same breath, Fabian Delph may or may not be fit for the match on the weekend, but he definitely was not as of today either. Yeah. And lastly, of course, everyone's favorite winger, Theo Walcott, picking up another injury as well. I want to say it was his abs, his core, something like that a lower abdominal injury and it required surgery. So his timeline, I think, is something towards the end of June where he'll return. Yeri Mina, like you said, a couple weeks, maybe back before the end of the month. And then, I, I mean, it's it's crazy just the the ramifications of, of taking two months off and then trying to like resume the season. 
And they've taken measures to try to limit the the impact of injuries with the five substitutes and all of those things. But there's no real getting around the fact that these players really, the, the time that they have to ramp up probably isn't sufficient to really justify or warrant like the, the frequency of games that they're going to have to play for the remainder of the year. And so I doubt that this is the last that we'll hear from it, but it's, it's just so frustrating as an Evertonian because it seems like we have an ability to pick up injuries at a rate that is unlike any other team. And our squad depth was already relatively thin to begin with. We're now missing essentially three to at least Mina and Gomez would be nailed on starters for the Derby, in my opinion. Fabian Delph would have been useful given the fact that we are still very thin in midfield for the millionth time we'll say that on this show. And Theo Walcott, again, just we don't have a ton of options on the right. So to lack that option, even coming off the bench as a substitute in like the, the late first half, early second half, to make an impact with his pace, I am scared about what's going to happen in the Derby, to say the least. But we won't talk about that too much. But I don't know. What do you think about the impact the injuries might have on like the squad mentality? Well, here's here's the thing that kind of worries me now that you mention it. With the restart, uh, clubs are going to be able to make five substitutions instead of three during the match. And so our bench now grows from seven options to nine. Well, with so many injuries to first team players, and as you said, uh, a majority of those players, maybe even all four of them would have or could have been in contention to start. I think with those changes, there's a reason why we need or we need the option for five substitutions, right? People are not match fit. We, we're going to have matches every couple of days or every handful of days. And so we're going to have a quick turnover on matches as well. And so I think that squad depth for us was really, really a key piece in how we're going to finish the season. And I think that's my biggest worry. It's not necessarily that the players will the players that fill in for them uh, won't necessarily do a good job. It's the fact that we now are missing four absolute first team players in our squad depth, whether they're starting or not. And I think that hurts us once we start to get towards the end of matches and maybe we're relying on uh, younger players or players with less experience, less quality to come in and try to change the match instead of maybe having some of uh, these other options coming off the bench and being prepared to change the game. On the other hand, Alex, to play devil's advocate here a little bit, this provides an interesting platform given where Everton are in the league. And I don't know if we've mathematically escaped the relegation zone just yet. Like if we literally didn't pick up a single point the rest of the season, God forbid, would we go down? But it does provide an interesting platform to kind of give the youth a chance, which is something we've been asking for for years. And though I think we still have a possibility to get top six at this point, Looking at the injury list, looking at all of the the things in our way, I think everyone save the clubs fighting for Champions League and the clubs fighting relegation, the mid-table teams, would be happy to just make it through the rest of the year and just say, all right, let's leave that in the past, move forward and, and look forward to next season. And with that, I think we have you know some really promising young players who could hopefully get some minutes. I mean, Anthony Gordon is one that potentially could come in for a Theo Walcott make an impact on the wing. We saw him play a little bit against Chelsea. He looked okay. And we know that Carlo is a believer in the youth. And we also know that there was a behind closed doors inter-squad friendly the other day. And there were some youth players involved. <clears throat> Ellis Sims, Kyle John, the young right back, uh, Jared Branthwaite, who of course arrived in, was it the January window? Um, yeah. So so there are some potential options, and I know it doesn't probably fill up anyone with a ton of confidence throwing a, an inexperienced youth player in, 
but you got to start somewhere, build, build from the back, build from the bottom up. And I think Carlo is, is going to have his hand force more or less to give some of these young players an opportunity. Yeah, no, th- those are good points. And, and I, I do agree with that. And I think that the fans can be excited about that. I mean, another way to look at the season or just to build on that thought process and looking at the season, I think. I agree with you. Top six is not really going to be a possibility, or I don't, I don't see it being a possibility with our injuries now specifically. Um, but as you said, you know, Carlo, Carlo came in, um, in the winter. He only had a couple months to really even get his head straight at the club before then COVID hits. And so I think that this will be good just to give him some more time to feel out the squad also and, and figure out, um, really where it might, some people might think this is trivial, but where we really need to strengthen what players he really thinks have a long term, um, a long term future at the club. And, you know, really most importantly, as you said, what youth players might be able to step up and save us some money in the market this summer as well. Yeah. And saving money is going to be pivotal in the summer window. There's still so much uncertainty about what the budget's going to look like, what every club's financials are going to look like, what you're hearing rumors that Chelsea are willing to splash 45 million for Timo Werner from Leipzig. And it's like, I mean, that's believable, but also there's, that's a lot of cash in a market where it's been, the the player values have been ridiculously inflated and continuing to inflate further for a long time. And is this finally, for lack of a better term, some kind of market correction that's going to bring player values down a little bit do we have the budget? All those questions that really we don't have the answers to. But what we do know is that we do have some some decent youngsters who may or may not have a future. And this should give Carlo the opportunity to suss them out. And also the dead weight that we need to get rid of. So, you know, players that may feature for us the rest of the season just because we have no one else. Cuco Martina. God forbid Cuco Martina plays another match for us. That would be really sad. I mean, Umar Nias guaranteed to get at least some minutes the rest of the season. but. I can't see him sticking around much longer. There's just so much turnover that needs to take place, and we're not sure exactly how that's going to happen. But I don't know. We, there, There's also some players who we have coming, you know, been linked with or players that we're trying to offload, and those rumors are starting to swirl. It's just it's a lot to wrap your head around. It is. So so let's jump into some of those transfer links. Um, but before we do, we just want to mention um, we're going to get back to doing our, our match preview episodes. So Look out for a preview episode on the Derby match upcoming on Thursday. So transfer links. First things first, we know, we all know that we only have three senior level center backs, one of which now, Yeri Mina, is injured. So that leaves us with Michael Keane and Mason Holgate. So a pretty prominent transfer link over the last couple days is the center back Tiago Silva from PSG. I think a lot of it has been ramped up based on his comments saying that his most notable, his favorite manager um, during his time was Carlo Ancelotti, obviously at PSG. And so this could be kind of a spicy transfer link, although I think most people are turned off by it simply because of his age and the understanding that his wages would be astronomical. Yeah, and, and to further kind of fuel the fire of the rumor, also PSG announced that he would be departing at the end of the season. They would not be renewing his contract. Look, he's 35 years old. He's won seven League One titles with PSG. He has been one of the world's best center backs for almost a decade now since he first broke onto the scene at Fluminense and then at AC Milan. Is he the right fit given the wages we're going to have to spend on him at 35 in the new league that he's never experienced before? I'm not sure, but 
he is the caliber of player where someone like a Mason Holgate could learn a lot from. And I think that more than anything else, like his ability to come in, I mean, he still played what I think he played almost 22, 20 something matches for PSG this season. And obviously league one being cut short so that he probably would have played the vast majority. Yeah. Yeah. So he still has that quality where he can play week in week out, but the the physical demands of of the Premier League are just a different animal entirely. This one I I have to, I'd have to say I still think it could be a good move for us depending on what the wages are on a free transfer a player with his pedigree to come in and just for locker room stability. I mean we talk about bringing in Fabian Delt for leadership. Thiago Silva is a you know a different tier entirely. So it makes me excited to think about it's one of those where if we did sign him I'd be over the moon whether it actually plays out and actually is beneficial for us over the course of his contract, whatever, probably a one-year deal, two-year deal, that we'd have to see. But at face value, this is one that I have to say I'm in favor of. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. I think where I stand really is past all of the details. Um, I feel kind of skeptical about it, but if we were to see an announcement with Tiago Silva holding up an Everton shirt next to Carlo Ancelotti, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be excited about it. Exactly. Um, right. And you and you know that he would get game time. You know that he would help all all three of the other senior center backs at the club. And so, you know, if Brands and, and Ancelotti feel like it, it makes sense and it'll work, then I think Alex and James do also. Um, yeah. Now to switch to switch themes a little bit, we're going to talk about a player being offloaded. And this is a player that really jades a lot of the fan base. Um, Morgan Schneiderlin is linked to OGC Nice for about 2 million pounds plus bonuses. Now, at face value, I think a lot of people are going to be excited about that, except for the fact that we have essentially no fit midfield at the moment. Um, but, but to talk about it, right, 2 mil plus bonuses seems like a tiny amount of money for Schneiderlin. We paid about 20 for him uh, a handful of years ago, and we know that he definitely still has the quality to be worth more than 2 mil. I think Transfer market might have him worth around nine, but here's the thing. His wages cost Everton over five million pounds per year. So if we're talking about accepting two mil plus bonuses from Nice and we offload his wages for just one year, we're almost at his valuation, essentially. Yeah. And this is a player that, look, he came into the came onto the scene and alongside Idrissa Ganagay, they were a formidable duo. I think they complemented each other well. Since I think even probably since Ronald Koeman was sacked, he has just not been the same kind of player. He seems very one dimensional. He doesn't really come across like he puts in all that much effort on the pitch. He's a, like you said, Alex, he's just a player that's consistently frustrated the fan base for a long time. So it's a good move to get rid of him. He's dead weight. He doesn't really have, you know, a future here. I think he'll suit League One very well. It'd be a good signing for Nice at that price point. And to get offload his wages at this point, you know, we're talking about transfer strategy and Marcel Brands is still trying to balance our wage books, which are just ludicrously inflated. And it, it, this is another one. Like you look at Adrissa Ganagay and, and we sold him for what, 25, 28 million to PSG. You think a player of his caliber would be worth far more, but contracts come into play and age comes into play. And, and again, just getting wages off the books at this point to free up capital for us to move for new fresh faces in the squad is what's most important. So though, uh, though the fact that, you know, 2 million might not jump off the page, it might seem like we're getting ripped off. 
in the long run, it seems like a positive move, especially because you don't know what the bonuses are. Like that could end up being, uh, if he makes enough appearances for them, we get additional couple mil. So, um, I'm positive about it. I, I won't be super sad to see him go, admittedly, but it does raise a lot of concerns as to our depth in midfield because, again, JPG out. So we're going to have to bring in a bunch of new players. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it as a positive for us. Um, and, and you know what? Unfor- Schneiderlin deserves to, you know, be successful at another club anyway because he's had a lot of yeah. personal issues throughout the last couple of years with his family, too. And so I think that has to affect his his um, his performance to some degree. Now. Here's a player that you and I watched with our own two eyes at Stamford Bridge, the last match of the Premier League season for Everton. Yes. Sidibe, his purchase option has expired. I think you and I agree that's probably a good thing because with what we saw in person, I swear I would be very confused as to why Carlo Ancelotti would 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 be in favor of signing him up um, for our right back spot. However, we are in talks to extend his loan to the end of the season because um, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, the loans go till the end of June, like June 30th yeah. or 31st. And obviously our, our season is going to extend past that. Um, so the idea is just to get his loan extended till the end of the season, as opposed to, um, the old end of the season. It seems like something that Monaco would be interested in. I know that there's been rumors that other clubs have potential interest in Sidibe in a long-term type of deal. Monaco, we talked about it on the last show I did with Ryan. They were willing to lower the asking price to try to get him off the book. So it seems like they're pretty agreeable to terms that will get him away from their squad. Like you said, we saw him at Chelsea. We've seen him in numerous other matches this season. He is just not the answer, point blank, period. Not much more that needs to be said. I think he has quality that can he can offer something to a side. But in the Premier League, where you need your outside backs to do so, so much, he seems to be... You know, he can do it either offensively and maybe sometimes he can do it defensively, but he can't consistently do both. And for that reason, I just think we have to look elsewhere for a long term solution. Now, that said, it's another situation where similar to Schneiderlin, we let him walk. And what are we left with? Right. Because in John Joe Kenny returning from his loan at Schalke, who knows if he's really in the long term plans. Seamus Coleman getting older every single day. His time is is unfortunately slowly running out. So we let Sidibe go, and all of a sudden we have this massive another another hole in the squad that we need to fill, right? And that's that becomes another problem with who knows what will happen in the transfer window. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about right back and central midfield as as imperative positions to fill during the transfer window, and then you know we're not even mentioning places like our right midfield slash right wing, in which we only have pretty much Theo Walcott. And so there, there's still going to be a ton to ponder. Um, and then lastly, for our transfer links, and excuse me if I if I pronounce the, the team wrong, but Stad well. Rem want Fraser Hornby for about 1.8 mil. Um, if I remember correctly, Fraser Hornby is is on loan um, in the Belgian league. And yeah. I think, I mean, he's a guy that I think all of us feel should have gone out on loan a lot sooner. And maybe because of the the talks with even the wage structure in the youth system, just far too inflated to get these players out on loan might have been the problem. Um, but hopefully, you know, another couple mil in our pocket that can help subsidize wages for a new player and that sort of thing um, will only be a positive and hopefully it works out well for him too. Yeah, it didn't look like a player who really had a realistic path to the first team. I mean, as a striker, we've got two players who are very still very young and a lot of potential. 
doesn't seem like we'd really be interested in promoting him. So to get almost as much for him as we do for Morgan Schneiderlin, I guess, I don't know if that, <laughs> who that speaks or reflects more poorly on, but I do think Hornby can have a very successful career. When I, when he first broke onto the scene in the youth system, I thought with his size and strength, he, he may be in the picture for us, but it's just another case of, of probably not going to be able to cut it at this level. And, and I think we should just for in the best interest of both parties to, to cut our losses with him. So 1.8, I would take that flat out for a player who's never made a first team appearance for us. You'd have to say that's pretty decent business. As mentioned previously, please look out for our match preview episode on Thursday in which we're going to discuss uh, preferable lineups, key matchups, all of the above for the Derby match at Goodison Park. And buckle up, folks. Until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.